Good morning, Anchor! It's the day after game day, September 22nd. I'm Rich Frazier, and this is Cockatrice Nuggets. Uh, let's start off with a couple of call-ins. Hello, Rich. Colin, Spike Pit. Really enjoying your episodes, man. I like this style you've, you've gone for, the, the peak behind the curtain. I find it very inspiring to hear what you're up to. And I'm particularly interested in hearing what you do with Veins of the Earth and uh, a little bit more about Red and Pleasant Land, basically, because they're both books I've picked up that I really like. But with the pile of other stuff I've got in my in-tray, I haven't really, whilst I've read them, I haven't really delved into using them. So, yes, it looks like the stars have aligned for me, and um, you're going to feed me lots of useful information and lots of ideas. So... Nice one, Rich. Keep it up. Brilliant stuff. Laters. Thank you, Colin, for the always kind words. Um, Veins of the Earth. I'll be honest. I didn't touch it. Uh, I I had my fill of prep for the week. Like I said, I prepped, uh, I don't know, 40 to 60 hours. It was a full-time job um, last two weeks. Uh, I had a lot of time sitting in front of my computer, crunching tables, um, copy and text, setting up factions, um, don't get me wrong, it was a lot of fun, but I didn't want to sit and integrate a, another subsystem into my game, so I didn't get that far. Uh, Red and Pleasant Land, um, man, I, I just want to preach Zach Smith, right? Not everybody likes him, not everybody, uh, agrees with what he has to say, and, uh, he, he chooses his words in an interesting manner, right? Um, I feel it all comes from a good place, so, you know, I'm, I'm a Zach fan, but uh, don't always agree with him, and that's okay, right? Because we don't always have to agree. So, um, Red and Pleasant Land, man, this is a great book. Uh, first of all, it teaches you how to put together a random sandbox. Um, there's a lot of tables in there that you can just rip right out and uh, substitute a couple words, right? Um I, I used it for inspiration in my hex crawl. Uh, I use it. Um, I, I use a couple of tables just ripped straight out of there. My favorite table in there is where have you been? Uh, I've modified it a little bit to let be less harsh, right? To be less permanent. Um, the effects that I have only last for one game session, um, and a couple of them are different. Um, but yeah, a Red Pleasant Land is. Uh, first of all, it's a great read. Anybody who hasn't read it, it's Alice in Wonderland meets Dracula and uh, in a land of vampires. So everything's all kind of jacked up. Um, but it's basically a, a hex crawl, um, or it's a square crawl, really, because uh, they've got these squares of land, and you go from square to square, and they're randomly generated. So whatever you come upon, you come upon. It's, uh, it's a great exercise in uh, random tables. Uh, it reminds me, or Hot Springs Island reminded me a lot of that. Um, Hot Springs Island, there's, a, there's another good thing that we'll have to get into later. Anyway, let's take another call from Tim. Rich, Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor. You're getting me all hyped up about gaming too, man. I got a game tonight. I'm looking forward to doing that. It's my own I'm down to one game a week right now. So I'm looking forward to getting into that and uh, get to rolling some dice. So hopefully uh, you have a, your Friday comes quick enough for you and you uh, are able to use those uh, side quests you were talking about. That sounds pretty interesting. Rolling them up. Uh, I kind of do a little bit of the same thing, but a little bit different. So, But uh, keep it going, Rich. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. Glad to hear I'm spreading my excitement. Uh, only gaming once a week, huh? Wow, better man than me. Uh, sucks to be us, I guess, but uh, you gotta adult when you gotta adult. Um, someday I'm gonna get into this uh, this online thing. It seems like uh, seems like it's a pretty big deal nowadays. Um, so once I get some time to maybe set up a space and get into that, uh, where my three-year-old can't uh, scream at me every uh, ten minutes. I think I might be gaming more often. Um, thanks for the call in, both of you. Uh, if you're not listening to Spike Pit and Gothard Manor, these are some great anchor casts. Um, 
there's a list going at the uh, Anchorites Discord and on the Anchorites G+. Uh, you can get both, to both of these by searching for Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. He's got links there, or if you search for OSR Anchorites, uh, you can probably easily uh, find it that way too. Day after game day! Oh man, I was so excited to get into it, but uh, right before I went, you know, I was uh, getting a little nervous. I had a full day yesterday though, so I didn't have a lot of time to sit on that nervousness and let it eat me alive, like I usually do. Um, so uh, I, I showed up late to the session. Well, late late for setup, I should say, right? I like to get there at six o'clock, got there at 6.30. Like I said, I had a, uh, a full day yesterday, had a lot of crap to do, uh, had a lot of crap that I forgot to do, so. Anyway, uh, I got there late, and uh, everybody else seemed to show up late, too. Uh, at 7 o'clock, I had one player, and I was getting kind of worried. Uh, I was like, uh, oh, well, I put in all this work that I want to try out, and nothing. Uh, so we sit down at the table, and come to find out, uh, everybody loves my podcast. I outed myself on Facebook last week. Um, made me kind of nervous, but uh, uh, everybody who listened to it loved it. Um, some of my players listened to too much of it. Um, so I, I need to be, uh, spoiler conscious, I guess, right? Um, I can, uh, I'll, I'll be able to break stuff up in Anchor so I can have my players skip spoilers and maybe come back later or just label the episodes as spoilers. Uh, anyway, so it was, uh, we sit down and, uh, one of my players says, all right, I hear it's, you're excited for this game, right? Uh, I hear you're excited for us to maybe do some mapping. And it hit me. Oh man. I put all the paper inside of a book, and I put that book on my shelf because I don't need—I don't use books when I uh, DM. I use my computer. I like to have books sometimes for that physicality. Um, I sometimes find it easier to look it up, but I'd much rather have a PDF uh, for copy and paste and portability. Um, man, uh, it was—I I was really let down that I had forgotten that stuff. Um, but what can you do, right? Uh, the game must go on. So uh, we just didn't map. And it, it only felt, felt uncomfortable because I had to keep explaining uh, to one of the players who was, who was mapping. And I, I think we were just getting our wires crossed. Uh, he, he wanted to map in character more so than out of character. And I kept taking it as mapping out of character. So um, I, had, I had to keep explaining how abstract everything was. And... Uh, Searching down each corridor wasn't necessarily something that happened would happen because this is a large area that you're kind of muddling through. Uh, so going through one way, right? Uh, this is how I should have explained it. You can go through a square multiple ways or a hex multiple ways and still come out on the other side. I think that makes a little more sense. Uh, like I said, I kind of wanted to uh, draw a sample one up too, to, um, you know, give kind of visual this is what you might be going through. But we're not going to map all this crap out because it would take forever. Um, so I did at table generation. And this is something I really... Uh, I tinker with, right? I, um, I save a couple things for at the table. Uh, but I like these big, complex, random tables. Uh, Tome of Adventure Design. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scream that from the rooftops again. I love this book. Uh, it is amazing. And it is, um, it is not easy to navigate when you're not familiar with it. Uh, yeah, so I need to reformat those tables. Again, PDF, so I don't have to hand copy everything. I can just select the table, paste it over. Uh, if it doesn't format well and it's going to take me forever to paste, then I can uh, fix, then I can uh, just take a picture of it, right? And put that picture into OneNote and then have it. And then I can have links off to the side that say, oh, if you rolled, rolled, rolled a pool, this was my problem last night. I rolled a pool and I was like, yeah, a pool. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? And I couldn't find the the random pools. I was like, what? But it says there's a pool. D&D is famous for magical pools. I, I want a magical pool. Where's the magical pool table? And then I remembered there's one in the first edition DMG. So I just made an encounter up out of my head. Um, I'm not always the best with this. I kind of have uh, things that I fall back on, so I try to push past that. Um, 
the characters found a well, and uh, down it was an empty well. Uh, and at the bottom of the well, there was a dude. Uh, so they, get, you know, played around with it, figured it out, got down there, and uh, checked it out, got some treasure. Uh, this is one of the random things that I like to use. I have uh, the Swords and Wizardry treasure deck, and uh, like everything OSR, it converts really easy to fifth edition. Um, I, I pull a card if it doesn't make sense. You know, if it's like there's a trunk on this guy with, you know, 16 gold bars in it. No, that's not going to fly, so we'll pull another card. Uh, usually I, I convert the money down to silver. Um, I'm not a big, you know, uh, flood flood the market with gold kind of guy. I uh, Even in hardbacks, I like to dial that back a little bit because the 5e hardbacks are kind of crazy with money. Um, but... Uh, uh, it works out really well. I, uh, I like it. It's easy. I don't really have to roll dice. I don't have to pull out a book. I don't have to search for a table. Not that those things are hard, but I've got a stack of cards right in front of me and I just cut the deck and go, nope, not that one. What's the one below it? Okay, we're going with this one. Four books about goblins. And oh my god, one of my players is collecting books. Uh, one of the characters, sorry, is collecting books. So he's like, he will not sell my books on goblins. Uh, so uh, they're getting quite the extensive book collection. And... Uh, I need to make sure that uh, they mark them down because uh, there's a little more to that card that uh, is, is a little spoilery. So if anybody's listening, I might I might just keep that to myself, keep that under my chest, and keep you guys guessing. Uh, they're gonna rip those books apart, aren't they? <laughs> Don't rip the books apart, guys. Don't rip the books apart. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, I got to play one of my hair traps. Uh, I rolled up a trap and. Uh, uh, I haven't done this to these guys before. I've actually done it to these guys before, but they didn't go down that wing of the dungeon. <laughs> um, it's my favorite. A 10-foot pit trap that's fairly obvious, you know, because it's a 10-foot pit trap. You're checking things out with a pole, then um, you got it, yeah. So, um, hollow floor. Stone sounds hollow. Check it out. Get down there. Got the 16 strength wings down. Pushes on the floor, and yeah, it gives a little. It's a spring-loaded kind of put 200 pounds of pressure on it, and boom, it goes down. Uh, somebody at the table said, oh, I, so I could walk across it. Yeah, you definitely could. But uh, that's the point, you know? Sometimes they want two guys on that thing before it falls. So anyway, first person jumps over it, and uh, what's on the other side? Well, of course, another pit trap, right? You're never going to catch the guy in the first pit trap. It's always the second one. Uh, two pit traps, my favorite trap in the whole world, because it always gets them. Like, it's never going to get them again, but the first time it always gets them, because you're like, 10 foot? What's the rule on that? I can jump that no problem. I got over a 10 strength. Um, that's another little thing I like about 5th edition, right? That uh, you just you just jump. There's no uh, there's no jump roll, no no jump to see how, how, how far my long jump is. Uh, it's uh, it's just boom. You can you can always jump ten feet, and then uh, if you want to push it, uh, I don't think there's rules for that. But I usually let an athletics check push it a little bit. Um, so that ensued in hilarity. Uh, one person tried to jump to the middle of him, right? Because there's a space in the middle, because uh, there was a wall between them. So um, they jump to the middle and fall off into the pit. Uh, this is the mason. So uh, she gets her mason tools out and starts. Uh, Dinking on the uh, dinking on the springs, uh, trying to uh, remove them from the stone. Uh, well, I cut back to someone who uh, creatively uh, springs strings rope and pythons over the thing, and we got another player who is forcing a mace into uh, like dropping a rope down and pulling a mace up through the the trap to wedge it open or to wedge it closed. Um, so there were some really creative things here. Uh, and, and this is the, what I'm fostering, right? This is, this is what I want to see at the table because I don't want to sit there and have one solution and just wait for the players to come on it. That bores me. That's, uh, no, that's not going to work. Oh, sorry, that's not going to work. No, it's got to be the third key in the eighth hole and you have to say, uh, hi, my name is key holder. Uh, no, that's not going to work for me. Um, I like situations. If uh, That's one thing I like about random tables, right? Because I get a situation and I'm like, oh, what do I do with this? Uh, throw it on the table. That's what I do. Um, but when I plan out situations, when I plan out encounters, 
I um, I don't like to plan solutions, you know? I, I don't like to plan solutions. So I'll make that encounter, and I'll think about it later. I'll go, oh, you know, I'll do this. I would do this. Or maybe I'd do this. Oh, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they did this? And, and those aren't the solutions. They're my solutions. So if the players come up with something different, the players come up with something better. And they usually do, because there's more of them than there are of me. Then we're going with that, right? We're going where the story takes us. We're going to go with the good narrative thing. We're not going to go with uh, uh, the DM is right kind of attitude, right? Um, so they get past my uh, my double pit trap, and uh, hopefully that'll never catch up again. But you never know. They might forget about it, and I'll throw it in there. Um, let's see. What happened next? Um, they, uh, I, I think it was just the main encounter next. Oh, no, they came across a couple of ghouls. Uh, in Midgard, there's a whole, like, uh, country of ghouls, right? Uh, they live underground, and, uh, they come to Zobek sometimes. They're big slavers, and, uh, they, um, look at people as meat, because, hey, they eat people. Uh, what's, uh, what could be simpler than that, right? Uh, they, uh, they, it was great. I rolled a short haul, so they're, like, 60 feet apart. Both come around the corner nearly at the same time. Um... And, uh, got lost there for a second. All right, so they come around the corner at the same time. Uh, on their turn, they hold a defensive stance. Um, and, smartly, nobody attacks. I was, uh, there was one person, I don't remember who it was, who uh, scooped up the, their dice and said, well, I'm going to, I was just like, oh, my God, you're going to attack them? <laughs> um, but uh, there was a parlay, and, uh, there was, uh, it, it almost slipped by without them asking about their objective. Um, oh, their objective. I didn't even start with that, did I? Uh, they finally decided to go after the queen. This is, uh, four weeks in game time later. Uh, uh three and a half weeks, something like that. Um, which, uh, if they didn't go after her after the first week, she was dead. That's just, uh, that's just the way it was going to play out. Uh, there was an accident escorting her there and they killed her. Um, so they uh, decide to go after the queen. And uh, timing, that's, I've, I've seen that a lot. I feel like, so uh, I, I posted this on Facebook as a response to somebody last night. And I feel like I've posted it so much that I'm sick of searching for the PDF, opening the PDF, searching for the page, copying the text out, and pasting it into Facebook or wherever I'm pasting it into. So I moved it into a OneNote file. Um, Gary Gygax quote, you cannot have a... Um, can't think of the word. I always forget this part of it. And that's why I have to copy it. You cannot have a meaningful campaign if strict time records are not kept. Uh, and what he means by this is a calendar, right? If you don't know what day it is, if you don't know what happened three days ago, if you don't know how long it takes a character to go from one city to the next city and what happens in between there, it, the campaign is, is really fluffy, right? It doesn't, doesn't have any weight to it. Um, I don't like my campaigns to feel that way, right? I um, What came to mind this morning when I was thinking about it is Fallout, right? Fallout uh, 4, the last one. Uh, you walk out of that vault and you're like, I gotta find my son. But there's this town here. And oh, I can set up a town over here. And what's over here, right? This is a, it's a classic example. The Bethesda problem, right? Uh, hey, there's demons from hell coming out of a portal up here in this town. We gotta, we gotta go up there. We gotta, we gotta get those demons. Can you help us? Uh, yeah, but I'm gonna go hunt wolves for six hours first. And, uh, I'll be back in a couple days. And they're still waiting there for you, right? Uh, even with, uh, oh man, can we go into the disappointments of oblivion for a minute? Even with radiant AI, right? They, uh, that AI just looped every day. Every day, it was the same thing. I think even on weekends. I don't think they separated weekends that way. That just looped. They just, uh, at, at 5 o'clock, this guy walked from here to here, and he did his thing, you know? And then he hammered on something for a while. And then at 6 o'clock, he walked over here. Um, oh, Oblivion. Oblivion. Oblivion and, um, what was that Molyneux one with uh, the dragon that never was and then came out in the collector's edition? Uh, Fable. Uh, Oblivion and Fable came out, uh, 
within a couple of years of each other and I followed their development so much. Like this taught me to not follow development as much as, you know, and not to put as much faith in it. Because uh, uh, th there's a quote in the gaming industry, uh, you were Molyneux, right? And this comes from Peter Molyneux uh, taking something little and blowing it up huge. Um, Fable was supposed to be this great game where the world grew with you. You could plant a tree when you were eight, and when you were 30, the tree would be a giant oak, right? No, none of this crap ever happened. Um, it was uh, it was really simplistic. It was all based on like a good and evil score that you had. Uh, not to say Fable wasn't fun. Fable was an amazing game. Uh, it's one of those that I want to go back to. I haven't had a chance to go back to. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why I haven't made a chance to go back to that. Uh, I played Bastion. Uh, when I played Bastion when it came out, um, I really like felt the, the fableness in it. Um, and it was it was a good game. Don't get me wrong, but I had high hopes for that game. Um, I hopes and it just crushed me because it was nothing like they said it was going to be thus I was mauling you um, Oblivion also I th there was a lot of talk and a lot of a lot of um, half descriptions right um, so when there's a half description everybody kind of fills that in for themselves right and then when you've got a, a you know a thousand or two thousand people on a forum filling that in from the set themselves, I kind of get it stretched up proportion, and it's hard for uh, the developer to come back in and go, oh, hey, wait, 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 that's not what we meant there, that's not what we meant there, that's not what we meant there. They just keep restating the same things, you know, making sure that, oh, this is only what we said, this is only what we said, all the rest of this is conjecture. Um, now, I still do this, right? Uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist is a really good example of this. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it, I don't think I have. I know I've talked a little bit about it. I'm almost done with it, and I'll probably do a review on the show because uh, I really like it. It's really good. Um, but it's not what I wanted out of it, right? Uh, the way they made it sound was they made it sound like, you know, you can you pick a different villain, and it's a different season, and anything can happen. So in my head, I'm, I'm imagining this giant Bornheim book, right? Uh, I said to one of my players, look, it's 256 pages long. How can you make a one to five, level one to five adventure take up 256 pages? You can't, right? You have to make four of them, and that's what they did. They basically put four level one to five adventures into a book using the same assets. And while I, I'm saying that negatively, it works really well. They did a good thing. Um, I was, I'm very impressed with it, but it's not what I wanted. I wanted the 5e Vornheim, man. Uh, Vornheim is another really great book. Zach S., buy everything of his uh, in PDF because I think the books are outrageously expensive because he does low brim runs. Um, uh, Vornheim is is a thin, thin book. It's less than 100 pages. It's less, I think it's less than 80 pages. Um, and it is digest size. But it is dense. It is dense with material. The only fluff in there that's not gameable is a page and a half, I think, it might be two pages, of comments from his players on playing in the city. And this is his book that he uses at the table. Uh, he he shared this with the world, basically, was his, his idea. Um, there's just so many, like, little, little spurts of, like, you know, well, if you're going to do, you know, uh, a random section in the city, just roll a die, write that number on there, and that's the path they have to take through the city, you know? And once you do this a couple times and then make some major streets and thoroughfares, it looks like a crazy city map. Um, and uh, he's got ta big tables, uh, die drop tables. He, he likes die drop tables. I don't know how I feel about them. Um, hey, Colin, there's something else you can go back and pilfer. Um, out of Red and Pleasant Land, there's some good die drop tables that give you uh, uh, descriptions and places. Um, I find that uh, when I'm in need of uh, a certain, um, hey, what's in this neighborhood? Hey, what can, there, what can there be? I got a cobbler, I got a baker, I got a butcher, and that's kind of my extent of medieval-ish careers, right? I mean, I get hard-pressed, I can come up with a couple more, but I can always just open Vornheim and look at this die drop table, and there's like I don't know, 30, 40 of them. 
So, um, wow, I got off track there, huh? What were we talking about? Video games? Wait a minute, is this the right podcast? Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, Zach Smith, get all the books. Get all the books. His dungeon crawl is good, too. Uh, Maze of the Blue Medusa. It is, um, it is one of those things that you just walk around the table with, and that's all you use. Um, it's great. All right, uh, let's see. Where was I? Ah, yes, the final encounter. Uh, so, they, uh, they, uh, I, the encounter I roll, uh, is a, a sound on the table, right? So uh, it's a sound of somebody disciplining like another one. So I'm like, oh great, it's it's 10 o'clock. Uh, it's about time that we wrap this up because I got to get up early and uh, drive to San Francisco. Um, so I want to get some sleep tonight. So uh, I start placing the final encounter, right? I, I place these noises, they do some reconnaissance, uh, they get an amazing group stealth roll Ah, group stealth. What are we going to do about that? Colin, have you got an answer for me yet? Um, group stealth. Like, these group checks, like, they overwhelm me, especially in big groups, because the odds are they're going to make it. Um, but that's 5e, too. You know, the odds are they're going to make it. It's it's really hard to knock these players down. Um, any players down at 5e. Um, Radio Grognard, I think. Uh, another good podcast you should be listening to. He, uh, he said he lost a character in 5e, and I was like, what? You lost a character in 5e? How the hell does that happen? Um, but I, I assume I'll hear some more about that on his podcast. Um, so, uh, as they're, uh, discussing what they're going to do, rolling their group stealth check, uh, I consult my tables, roll some dice, I get a, um, a, uh, a ziggurat room, right? In a big kind of open room. Uh, so I go to my uh, fistful of dice, better encounters or something like that uh, table, and uh, roll on there, and I get the perfect thing. Like sometimes tables just work out well. Um, multi-layered encounter, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, boom! It's perfect. It's got the ziggurat, and then um, I make another roll, and then there's uh, dire rats chained up. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so they, they basically ignored the dire, dire rats. They changed them to weasels, uh, cause, uh, kobolds ride weasels in, uh, Zobek, so that's a little more thematic. Um, so they, uh, they basically ignored them. Uh, but what they could have done was, uh, broken the chains, untied them somehow, and they would have just attacked whatever was next to them. Um, that's not what it says on the table I rolled, but, uh, it said dire rats chained up, and I was like, why would they have their rats chained up unless they're, uh, crazy, right? So they were crazy. Um, so, uh, they get to, um, the doorway with their crazy group stealth check. I think the lowest was, uh, 11, uh, 16, 18, and then on the upper half, the lowest was 21. So, definitely stealthy. Um, so they, they overhear the conversation. Um, it's, uh, they, they recognize that, um, it's a city watchman, uh, talking to a bunch of red kobolds, um. I, of course, forget to mention the red kobolds right away. I bring it up later and say that it's unusual because most of the, the kobolds in the city are not of that color. Um, and then they, they they realize, they're like, oh, they must be from the Dragon Empire. Yes, from the Dragon Empire. Uh, so the City Watch guy is uh, telling them they need to leave town, and he's giving them enough money, and they're, they're in a heated argument. Uh, so right before we roll initiative, uh, the great old one warlock... Uh, kind of tries to mimic the watchman's voice in his head, um, you know, saying something like, did he just go for his weapon? So, uh, I, uh, we've been doing this with, uh, just a, a persuasion, a deception roll, and, um, he gets distracted, right? So he, he assumes that the, the kobolds are about to attack, and then the players attack, so, right, combat ensues, and, uh, this was a little, little long combat. It was, uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, I put in some uh, scaled down kobold alchemists. Uh, I put three of them. I put four or five regular kobolds and a swobold from uh, Creature Codex. Oh yeah. Uh, kobold alchemists, by the way, are from Tomo Beasts. Um, so uh, yeah, they're they're pretty hefty. Um, I like them. They're CR two. Uh, so like I said, I scaled them back a bit. I just scaled back their damage. 
because uh, that's really what the problem is. Their damage. They have a they have an ability that recharges that can do uh, I don't know 17 average damage, uh, whatever that is. Uh, so double that, like you know 34 max. And these are uh, that that might kill a player outright at this level. Uh, so I scaled their damage back quite a bit. I made it so their ability didn't recharge, uh, but I kept their hit points the same. I kicked their uh, poison dagger attack the same because it was a, it was it was higher in damage, uh, but it was um, it was it was more tolerable, right? Higher in uh, higher in damage than I scaled the the potion down. Uh, anyway, uh, and the swole great, man. It, he grapples you and then he squeezes you. So him and the barbarian monk multi-class player are in this like this grapple and he's just squeezing the hell out of him while the monk's beating the crap out of him. Uh, and it was great because of the monk too, right? Because it's this good visual of him like beating him with his quarter staff and headbutting him and kicking him in the shins. And it was just, it was great. It went down very well. Um, so the guard was a bandit captain. Uh, I forget what CR is. I think that's three also. Um, and uh, he bails, right? He needs to get the fuck out of there. Is his it's what is in his mind, right? So he uh, dodges a couple times and goes back, and then he bolts. Um, I bolted at the wrong time. There were characters too close to me. I wanted this guy to get away. I really wanted this guy to get away. I wanted this guy to come back and cause problems for the players, for the characters. I don't want to cause my players problems. I want to cause their characters problems. Uh, so, so I really wanted this guy to get away, and there's just no way, right? There was just no way, because I was too close when I dashed, so uh, the players can dash too. Uh, there's a wolf in the party who has more movement, um, so there, it, it's always the same situation, right? I move 60 feet, take an opportunity attack, right? The guy who did the opportunity attack moves 60 feet, right? And then I move 60 feet, right? These are double moves. Um, and take an opportunity attack. Of course, I could do, use the dodge action. I could use uh, disengage. Um, but it's it's not going to work because then I'll only be able to move 30 feet. If I only move 30 feet, then that person can move 30 feet and attack me. Uh, so there was, there was no hope on me getting away. I tried really hard um, to think of a way that I could do it. Uh, I was going to do some like, hey, you got to try and track him through the dungeon, right? Because it's abstract. So, you know, you come around the corner and there's like three different paths or something. So you got to pick the right path. So let's roll some sort of check. And I was like, nah, screw it, man. He's just, he's straight up chasing this guy. I'm just going to give it to him, right? There's uh, DM, DM Fiat, man. I don't like it. Uh, if the players can do something, then they do it. That's, uh, that's it, man. If, uh, and that's just the way it is, right? Um, I didn't plan to want this guy to get away. Uh, just in the situation, uh, I really thought it'd be cool if he got away, right? And that guy really wanted to get away, right? That's uh, his, uh, his, his whatever's on the line. He, um, you know, he's doing shady shit under the guise of the watch. And uh, maybe the people above him are like, well... If, if you get caught, you're fucked, you know? Or, uh, hey man, we don't know anything of what you're doing. You're on your own. Uh, or if they drag my ass back up there, you know, captain's gonna beat me. Uh, so yeah, he wanted to get away. There was a uh, very high incentive for him to get away. He just didn't do it as well as he could have. I didn't do it as well as I could have, right? But, but that's fine, right? No bandit captain's perfect. Um, so, uh, after after two rounds of or after the first round of running, I knew what was going to happen. I knew this was going to go was going to get him nowhere. So during that round of combat, I'm plotting in my head how to do it, and I can't figure it out. <clears throat> so when it comes back around to his turn, he's still running, right? Because he's trying to get away. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll trip. Whatever. I don't, I don't know. Why do people run from cops? This is the same reason he's running, right? Um, they're going to catch him eventually, but uh, you know, there's some slim chance that he might get away in his head. In my head, there's none. Numbers say he's gonna die, he's gonna die. Uh, there, there was one hope I had. Uh, the wolf could have killed him, right? <laughs> the wolf wolf could have killed him and the wolf would not do um, whatever damage. He would, he 
would not do some dual damage, he would kill him instead of knocking him out. That was my only out, and I think the player pulled his wolf back anyway. <laughs> so it didn't matter. Um, it was kind of a cheap shot on me anyway. Um, I'm definitely putting out one of my vests for later, so remember that. Wolf, no subdual damage. Um, so I wrote this guy off, but what I can do is I can draw the players away, right? I can keep these players out of combat. Um, the, the ranger got wise and turned around and came back because uh, the party would have been overwhelmed. Uh, they were overwhelmed. Uh, they, I don't think they realized it. Um, they are very, uh, overpowered is not the right word. Um, I can't think of it right now. Munchkin is kind of the direction I, I want to go. Um, they are the power gang, power gamers, right? They're uh, optimized. There's the word I want. They're optimized players, uh, optimization players, something. They, they, they have optimized characters. So they're good at doing what they do, right? And adventurers attack shit. And uh, yeah, they're, they're smart players. They want their characters to do well. Uh, they, they made their characters, so they basically created good characters, right? Right. It's what we do. Uh, not everybody does it. Uh, some people like those flawed characters. Some people will, will uh, try and drag those ability scores down far. Uh, I, I am not that way. I am, I am a min-maxer to the heart, you know. Um, but uh, as with most of my players, the min-max kind of stops at... Or is, is the center of the character, right? And the rest of the character blossoms around that, right? You take, well, why is this guy super strong? Why is this guy so good with a sword? You know, what happened to this guy's life that, uh, that whatever, whatever. Um, so there is a lot of uh, RP around that uh, OP, so to say. Um, right, so uh, they could have been overwhelmed very easily had my dice rolls been better. <laughs> Sitting in the DM chair, I can roll some bad dice rolls. Then I get on these streets where I knock three people down in a row. Um, so they came. They, 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 the 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 ranger comes back, and that pretty much put the uh, number of attacks in their favor. So they slowly picked everybody off. Um, so the combat ended probably an hour and a half, two hours later. Um, still within. Well, no, it was about an hour and a half later. Um, so then there was still a good chunk of roleplay left. Uh, it went on a little longer than I expected it would have. Um, there was a, uh, an interrogation scene. Uh, they knocked out the goblin. Uh, guy who was negotiating, uh, the leader, right? Um, and they knocked out the bandit captain, right? The, the, the watchman, the guard watch, the, the city watch. Um, and they interrogated him. Uh, I, I don't like interrogation too much. Uh, usually I'm just like, roll, this is what you get. Um, but we kind of role-played it out. And, uh, you know, the the watch was just like unbending. He's like, break my fingers, break my toes, do what you're going to do. I know you're going to kill me, so just kill me and get it over with. And they're like, no, we don't want to kill the watch. What are we going to do? Um, we can't, you know, we can't just kill the watch. And uh, they're trying to get him to talk, but he's not going to talk. He's like, you're going to kill me, or you're going to take me up there, and I'm going to get away with it because I'm in a corrupt system. Um, that was basically the two choices, right? And of course, he wants them to take him up, but he's also not afraid to die for his cause. Um, so, he uh, he gets knocked back out or gagged or something, uh, and uh, they wake the kobold up, and the kobold they eventually scare the shit out of by dragging him over to the weasels and the weasels start going crazy and want to eat him. Eat his little kobold body. So he finally talks. He finally gives up the plan and uh, he says, oh yeah, she's in the door you guys ignored in the back of the room. So they go in there and she's dead. The queen. Uh, the kobold queen. Uh, in Midgard, or in Zobek, there is kind of a council of kings for the kobolds, they all kind of have different control. The kobold ghetto is kind of like a mini city uh, where uh, a bunch of different kings are vying over power, right? So they each control kind of a sect of the city. Uh, the um, 
this queen, uh, Queen uh, Nevamine, is um, a, a proponent for the, the kobolds. She is, uh, she speaks out for the kobolds against the big people. Uh, she has a lot of encounters with the watch. Um, there, there's a, there's a uh, animosity there, right? And uh, the kobolds really love her, and thus she's been one of the longest standing queen, uh, queens, kings, whatever. Uh, they're called kings, but she's a queen. Um, so, yeah, she's got a lot of respect for the kobolds. Uh, but these kobolds don't like her, right? So they're like, hey, we accidentally killed her, shit happens. Uh, we wanted more money. He wouldn't give us more money. Whatever. Give me my money and let me go. You said you were going to let me go. You said you were going to give me my money. Let me go. So uh, the ranger is pissed, by the way. The, the ranger is like, you killed this important person who is doing good things, right? He is like, he's fuming, right? He's like, I have to drag this body back up to the surface and we have to do something with it. So, um, they finally let the kobold go. go. Uh, the, the, the ranger is pissed. Like, not the player, right? The player's got it under control, but his character is pissed. So he's like, I kick him in the head on the way out. Um, it, it was a, it was a very great scene for him, right? Uh, it, it, the, the, the ranger's personality really came out. Um, and I love to see these, uh, these emergent moments in role-playing games. Um, so then they've got the, the city watch, right? They've got this watch guy there. What are they going to do with it? So the ranger's pissed. He's like, fuck it, I'm going to dump oil on him and light his ass up. <laughs> and so this is where it comes down. It comes down to this, uh, I think it was a 15-minute conversation. It was a good length of time. What are we going to do? We can't kill him. What if we take him up? You know, he's saying they won't believe us, but we don't believe him. But what if something happens and, you know, they do believe him, right? He's got the watch on his side, maybe. Who knows how corrupt the whole watch is, right? Um, love these unknowns. Now I'm going to hassle them with the watch, right? And they're going to wonder, is it because of this guy? Is it because they're corrupt? Is it because they know who we are? Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, because they're the guys who save the queen, right? They're the guys who save the queen. Um, so, or found the queen. I don't know. So, right. So they, they end up, uh, they decide not to burn the body because we have a discussion of how long it takes the body to burn. And, of course, we uh, look it up on Google. Um, incognito mode, by the way. Uh, I was on a public internet, so uh, yeah, that's not coming back to me. Um, just saying, if uh, anybody gets burned around me, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> All right, sorry. Cracking myself up here. So, they drag the queen back up to the surface, right? And that's kind of where we end. Um, I, I, I say they have an encounter with the guard or the watch coming down. Not, not an encounter per se, but um, they hear them coming down other passageways, right? Because it's the sewers, everything's echoey, so you're going to hear people coming unless they're being silent. Um, they weren't being silent. They were charging down. They're like, our dude's down there. Let's go get him. Um, just like he's, he had said, um, which is why they didn't burn the body because they would have had to stay down there forever and stand by the body. Uh, there'd be a lot of evidence they had to clean up. So they just fed them to the weasels. I said the weasels are crazy. Uh, and they were like pigs, so they just ate the whole thing up. Um, yeah. So this brings me to that weird place as a DM that I'm like, how can I forget this? Resurrection. What? I forget this, right? Ray's dead, right? Um, it's not going to work because she's over a week dead, so I'm cool there. But I, I always forget this stuff exists, right? Speak with dead. Hell, I forget that exists half the time. Uh, so now, as part of my prep, I need to go out and find uh, who in the city is actually high enough level caster, which I don't think anybody in this city is over level 9. Um... It can cast that spell. How much the spell is going to cost um, to cast? Um, who they're going to have to do favors for? Because they don't have enough money to cast. Uh, get resurrection cast. Um, yeah. So they're they're going to try and res raise funds or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it. 
I don't know how we're going to proceed. Um, anyway, it, this whole thing, this last encounter got lasted three hours for me. So it was one o'clock and I'm like, oh man, I got to go. Uh, we usually do a magic item shopping spree at the end of the session. Um, I was doing it at the beginning of the session, but it felt like it took up too much time in the beginning of the session. People were like fawning over it going, oh, should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do this? Should we do this? Um, and then it would just like drag the beginning of the session out. Uh, I'm trying, it's one of my things, I'm trying to tighten up that beginning, you know. Um, I like to have that little social thing at the beginning of the session, right? Uh, I'm, I'm very social. Uh, I've got a bad habit of dropping out a game and talking about something that has uh, no relevance to games, to, to the game, right? Like, hey, how I was disappointed with Oblivion. Um, anyway, uh, so i trying to tighten up that beginning, so I moved that to the end, and it worked better at the end because um, I could drop it, they could buy the magic items, they could study them later, they could figure out what they're going to do with them later, um, and uh, whatever. So we, we just skipped that because, like I said, I had to get up early and come up to San Francisco. Um, so we're going to move that to the beginning of the next session. I'm going to try to tighten it up a little better. Uh, I'm going to uh, rush through the rolls, rush through the, um, the buying part. Uh, I, uh, I have tables up on my GM binder, which is linked on my blog, which is slackernerds.com. Um, uh, you can, there's a, there's a link somewhere on there to my GM binder, which has got my, uh, kind of random magic items for sale table. Uh, it probably needs some tweaking because they got some, they, they got a crazy piece of armor from it, uh, that I didn't really realize was on the table. I just kind of copied common magic items out of the DMG. Uh, actually I copied it out of Xanathar's and I think that might've been the problem because I don't think they're divided up as equally. I don't know. I, I didn't look closely at the tables before I pasted them in. I just pasted those bad boys in. So, um, speaking of beginning of session, I like to start my session out with a question. Uh, there was a Reddit post called, uh, I don't remember, steal this idea, warm-up question. So it gets the characters, uh, this was what was their biggest regret. Uh, so it gets the characters in, in character, right? You think about this and they, they got to they gotta think about it. And, and, some people think about it more than others, right? Some people, like, trail on for 10 minutes about it. And some people are like, well, yeah, my life sucked, so I didn't like that part. Okay, good. Sounds good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like it. It gets people in, start to think about their character, and then uh, we can move right into role-playing after that. Um, the, the whole session went really well. Um, I was... As a DM, I always I always see the holes in the curtain, right? I always go, oh, well, there was this time when I was looking on tables and I was staring at my computer and I wasn't talking to you guys, but they were talking amongst themselves, right? They were, they were either role-playing or deciding what to do or, hell, they were looking at pictures on their phone. It doesn't matter because the, the time gap for them wasn't as obvious as the time gap is for me, okay? There's a lot of times as a DM where I sit silently and stare at them. And this was one of those times, except I'm frantically looking up stuff on tables, so it seems more drawn out to me. So I had to ask the question, how do you think my at-the-table generation went? And someone said, seamless. And I was like, okay, good. Um, and it's only gonna get tighter from here, right? Because I'm gonna make the tables more accessible to me. Uh, I'm gonna make it so I can click through faster. Um, finding my dice in the beginning of the session. <laughs> uh, I have a player who uh, lines her dice all up uh, uh, at the beginning of the session, and uh, I'm thinking that's a good idea. Uh, I used to um, store my dice in kind of like a little uh, Plano um, plastic case um, with six divisions, so there was one for each die type. So I could just be like, I need four-siders. Here's a bunch of four-siders. I need six-siders. Here's a bunch of six-siders. Uh, where's that ten-sider? Oh, it's in the ten-sider section. Um, but I bought an all-rolled-up, which uh, I really like. God, I love this thing. It's uh, it's my favorite thing in the whole world, except sometimes my pens fall out of it. Uh, if, I, if I could redesign it, I would put a flap over the pens. It's the only thing wrong with it. Uh, anyway, I think it's really cool because um, if, I'm, if I'm gaming, I can take that and my tablet, and I'm good to go. 
uh, if, I, if I can bring my computer, though, I usually bring my computer because I'm crazy. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, there's a couple things I can tighten up on my side, uh, but I don't think it'll make a difference to them. Um, it might mean that we can get an extra uh, couple of die rolls in and uh, find some more exciting stuff down there. Um, two weeks, uh, I'm going to remember the maps. <laughs> and uh, mapping is going to be a lot more interesting, I think. Um, I was really excited to try it this time. I'm kind of glad that I didn't. And, uh, yeah, because uh, it, it got me to realize, you know, where I was in the tables instead of leaning over and trying to help them with the map, which I'm still not sure how I'm going to do. Um, coordinating mapping is really difficult. Um, that's, it's another reason why I went for this abstract map, uh, because saying, okay, you walk down a 60-foot corridor, it turns left and continues on for 50 feet. Well, do you count the corner in the first hallway or the second hallway? Do you count it in both hallways? Uh, you said it turns left. Is that west left or uh, east left? You know, which, which way are we going? Which way is north again? So this way, I'm going to say this is north. <laughs> you know, uh, this is uh, the, the hex exits are one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> and uh, you came in from six and uh, there are exits on three and two, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I think without having to also search through all the tables while explaining this stuff will go um, much smoother in my mind. I'm sure for my players it doesn't matter. They, uh, um, I, I'm a good DM and I hold that illusion up really well. Uh, I can I can talk and look stuff up. I may not. Uh, I may have to ask for something repeated. Wait a minute, that sounded important. You're talking a lot about something passionately. What are you saying? You know. Uh, where I can just babble on about, you know, how big the corridor is, where the room's at, uh, what's in the room kind of thing. Wow, I'm almost at an hour here. Well, I guess I'm not almost at an hour. I'm over 45 minutes. Um, this is a long, long anchor cast, and um, my phone is going to blow up or something. I don't think I've ever talked this long. Um, and after game day, my throat is killing me already, and I'm dying right now. I don't know how I talked for 40 minutes. Uh, I should have broke this up into smaller chunks, smaller chunks next time. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. And, uh, apparently you got the 20 piece nuggets today. Have a good one. And I'll talk to you, uh, maybe on the way back. <laughs>